Welcome to Run With It, Canada's running fitness and health program. On this month's episode, I was in conversation with Dr. Bob Weil about the value of playing sports. But first, let's go to our Sports Doctor segment. Check this out. Welcome back, Dr. Anfanashi. Um, we're going to talk about eye strain because we're spending too much time on our phones and tablets and what can we do to help our eyes from not straining? Yeah, it's a great question and a very valid point that I discuss every day very regularly with most of my patients. It'd be easy to say, hey, everybody stop using electronic devices, but that's just not going to happen. Uh, we're moving in a, in a digital world, we are living in a digital world, where now we're seeing the youngest of the, our youth getting involved and engaged in screens at a far higher rate than we should be doing. And naturally, it's going to take toll on our eyes. So E, I think it's important that we start setting guidelines, and there is guidelines, and this is something I preach to my, to my parents with their kids, that if a kid is below the age of two years old, they do not need digital devices. It is not a good thing on their young developing eyes to be prone or be exposed to digital devices. And I'm talking about tablets and phones and things of that nature. And then if it's between the age of two and five, limit it to well below two hours maximum a day. That's excessive and I still don't think that's necessary. But you know, my kids, for example, at five and seven, they get 30 minutes a few times a week. That's about it. Now that they're getting at the age of six and seven, they're allowed one movie a week and maximum an hour to an hour and a half in a day. That's including educational learning on electronic devices and recreational usage. Now, in our, 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 our middle-aged kids and the kids that are in primary schools, unfortunately with this pandemic, a lot of them have been resorting to digital learning or virtual learning. You can't change that. Instantly you've got X amount of hours on screens, homework that's on screens, and then they have their own recreational time. Then we get into our adult population, that their professions and livelihood is reliant on being on Zoom calls, on digital media, on computers for work, and they, these guys are averaging you know, six to eight to 10 hours a day. And the average person in our society spends eight hours and 42 minutes a day on a digital device. Mm -hmm. The human eye was not created to do this. Now, that not only leads to in, in higher incidences of nearsightedness or, or, or dryness or ocular surface concerns, but uh, that's a different topic altogether. Yes. What can we do about this? So what we talk to all our patients about is some basic rules. That we can't stop them from doing things, but we can give them supportive information and tools to help put less strain to their eyes and have more healthier eyes. Number one is something we call the 20-20-20 rule. You may have heard of this. It's not now no big surprise. You see this in many literature pieces out there, and uh, you know many of my, my professional colleagues do advocate this. But for every 20 minutes of screen time that you do, take 20 seconds to look at something 20 feet away. And during that 20 seconds, while you're looking out a window across the room, blink your eyes with intention. Not forcing it, don't have to hurt your eyes, just give more full, mindful blinks to your eyes, which helps stimulate your muscles around the eyes, helps stimulate the tear production, relaxes your focus, and then allow it, then re-engage in what you're doing. It's not a big break, it's just a small little break you're taking once every 20 to 30 minutes, and you're allowing your eyes to not only get better endurance, but feel more comfortable and relaxed. Mm -hmm. Number two, is that we recommend ensuring that you are using some sort of blue light technology. All electronic devices, whether it's phones or computers or tablets, uh, 
emits blue light, and that blue light penetrates our eyes more than any other wavelength in the visible spectrum. That blue light is known to deregulate melatonin levels in our eyes. It has a higher incidence associated with headaches. And some people, there's early studies, we don't know if this is true, could have some impact on our macula, which is where one of the most sensitive parts of the back of our eye. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. We're still learning and developing our understanding of what blue light does to the eyes. We know that you can do something to limit the amount of blue light when you're on a screen for that many hours a day. So even for kids' age, it's important to help block or limit that blue light. And you can do that via filters on different devices. A lot of smartphones offer options to do night modes, which instantly lowers the blue light. But for those who are already glasses wearers, it's such a simple solution. On most glasses now, we can do coatings that block a lot of the blue light. We don't want to block all of it, but we want to block a good percentage of it to help protect our eyes at a higher degree. And now they've narrowed us down to a science of the exact you know, wavelength of light that's most optimally to reduce for blue light protection. And you know, some people who don't even wear glasses, they come in and we give them plain lenses with blue light filters. And a lot of them anecdotally are coming back and saying to us, my eyes feel more comfortable towards the end of the day. I'm getting less strain or fatigue. I'm able to look at the screen longer, which I don't know if that's a good thing, <laughs> but they're able to sustain that and walk away from the screens without having that strain, fatigue, and that headache. Yeah, I was wondering, like, should the laptop or the computer be at a certain distance? That's a great question, yeah. You know, sometimes we just get lazy and our, our posture is compromised and we're doing prolonged work. You know, a book and a phone should be within 16 to 18 inches, if possible. A laptop between 18 and 22 inches. And then a desktop is typically between 22 and up to 28 inches. You know, and sometimes if it's too far, spending too many hours is more taxing to our visual system. Or if we bring things too close, it's not that we can't see it, but we're asking, we're putting more demand on our eyes, and that's what is more exhausting, and again, more taxing as well. Mm -hmm. So there is the ideal distance. There is also ideal lighting. You don't want to have, uh, you know, be by a, a window where there's a lot of sunlight coming in, having the screen mounted there. You don't want to be reading in bed, you know, with a tablet <laughs> with very poor, you know, dark lights turned off. Again, are we going to damage our eyes? Not necessarily. Are we going to need glasses if we do this? I don't know. I can't confirm that, but we can say that it will be more exhausting to your eyes and it'll cause your eyes to be fatigued more quickly. Yes, and also like taking an eye break, but also getting outdoors, you know, uh, give your eyes a break. 100%. <laughs> if we can reduce the screen time and get more active, I'm all about being more active and being healthy and, and maintaining a better diet and being more active outside for sure. Yes, and also too, like, you know, your eyes are so important and... I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, but, but <laughs> why do you think, generally speaking, why people don't look after their eyes? I mean, they'll go and they'll maybe get the latest clothes or whatever. Yeah. Why is it sometimes a difficult decision to do that? Because if it's not broke, they feel like they don't need to fix anything. So often in our youthful younger ages, you know, we say, well, our kids are seeing fine, they're doing well at school, they're really doing great, they're you know, succeeding in sports and in their dance classes, their eyes are fine. But one in four school kids in North America have an undiagnosed visual concern. And often it's, it's mis misdiagnosed or overlooked and associated with you know, ADHD or learning disabilities or the fact that you know, maybe they're just not skilled in that certain ta you know, that's, that, 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 that class. But that's why we recommend kids should be coming in every single year for an eye exam without fail because their eyes are constantly evolving and changing, especially in this digital age with the amount of demand they're doing at that age too. We didn't have that when we were more youthful. We didn't have screens and we didn't stare. We stayed scared at a TV that was 20 feet away or 10 <laughs> feet away. Um, but yeah, we do recommend coming in every year just so we can make sure everything is healthy. And I, I do feel there's an increased awareness 
to the eyes. I think people as a whole, if, if anything, during the pandemic, one of the silver lining is that there's been more awareness to self-care, more commitment to self-care. We have patients coming in more routinely saying, hey, you know what, I got the time now. I got the resources. I'm going to take care of myself. I haven't had an eye exam in a long time. And with an aging population, unfortunately, it's, they're being driven into our clinic based off more symptoms, whether it's trouble reading or the dryness or, you know, they're starting to see, you know, glare at nighttime. So we're seeing a little bit more of a movement to people coming in and being more aware and mindful of how important their eye health is. Yes, and also set some time for your children, like so many hours to even watch your movie or play a game. <laughs> of course. And all these devices now have timers. You can put timers on and, and, and limit that screen time for sure, which is, the more we can do now, the better it is for the long run. Yes. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Joining me is Dr. Bob Weil, known as Dr. Bob, who is a respected sports podiatrist and radio host of The Sports Doctor. And he's back on the show for the Sports Doctor in segment on Run With It. Welcome back, Dr. Bob. Christine, it's nice to be with you. It's nice to be with you um, with a video. We've been doing some uh, radio uh, segments for The Sports Doctors in with you for, gosh, how long already? A couple of years? Yes, yes, and I love your stage and your background, by the way, Dr. Bob. I'm glad you do. This is my Olympic figure skating gold medalist, Evan Lysacek's right over my head. Uh, people who listen to the sports doctor know Evan was 10 years old when I put orthotics in his skates, and 12 years later, he was the best in the world. So um, I told him I would be bragging about him forever. It's, it's our 11th anniversary that he can't believe it that he won uh, the Olympics. But, you know, adding some good sports medicine education to run with it uh, is, is something that's of a real interest to, to me. So I'm glad to be with you again. Thank you. So our topic is the value of playing youth sports and staying active. Dr. Bob, I mean, playing sports at any age is, is really good for overall health. And I know in your book, you have, which is called Essential Guide for Any Parent with a Child in Sports, a sports parents, which you can take your book. I'd like to see your book for our audience. Yes, we'll show a picture of the book, hashtag HeySportsParents. Uh, it's an essential guide for any parent with a child in sports. My co-author is Hall of Fame volleyballer, um, talk show host, uh, prolific author, uh, Sharky Zartman. And it's uh, got great participation by so many different experts. Uh, you know, yes, it's very important uh, that uh, children get a chance to participate in sports. Uh, but we want to be very, very well aware of a lot of the challenges with um, just too much, too much pressure, uh, too much overemphasis of scheduling and the epidemic of overuse injuries that we see in youth sports both physically and mentally. We're all aware of overzealous parents, overzealous coaches who um, just put too much pressure on these kids. And there definitely is a difference, Christine, between um, fitness, wellness and activity and sports, uh, whether it's uh, uh, adolescents or, or older kids. So we want kids to be active in the United States and around the world, and I've talked about it for 25 years on The Sports Doctor, we are up to our ears with childhood obesity and obesity concerns. It starts very, very early, and keeping these kids active is a, a real goal of mine. 
Yes. And you list 10 tips to stay active and accountability, uh, making mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes in a game, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, we put too much pressure and that's how you learn life skills. Oh, absolutely. My late great friend, Dr. Jim Vickery, who was a sports psychologist, the first bullet he would have for parents of kids is to not be a critic. The second bullet was to be a good listener and listen to your son or daughter with their experiences uh, involving youth sports and the uh, idea uh, that there is got to be communication with parents and children. Are you hurting? Is your arm still bothering you? Uh, your ankles are still hurting you? And this whole emphasis, again, on pressure from so many different uh, areas. So, yes, there's some great, great hints. And one of the first and most important is the one that you just mentioned, uh, which is to let's not be so overbearing uh, that kids don't want to play. Little League discovered this 10, 15 years ago when all of a sudden 40 percent of these kids dropped out. Christine. It wasn't fun. There was too much pressure on winning, let alone the injury side of things. So uh, on the sports doctor, I brought together a tremendous team of expertise, whether it's the National Association of Youth Sports. They celebrated their 40th anniversary of educating parents and park districts and everybody uh, about um, the important aspects of keeping these kids active, staying safe. And uh, the publisher of MVP Parent Magazine, I'll show you a picture of MVP Parent Magazine. People go to mvpparent.com. They can read my latest article on, on the use and importance of, of orthotics, Christine. But the education is a constant challenge. Um, Ian Goldberg, his great organization, iSport360, really is an app that stresses conversation, cooperation with parents and coaches at earlier and earlier ages. Organizations in England working with parents in sports, our friend uh, Greg um, McClelland. Uh, so we, we talk to these people all the time uh, and include their insight in educating parents and coaches uh, about some of these challenges. And there's a lot of them. My friend, Joel Franco, who's developing these upcoming documentary, Where Our Children Play, Challenge of Youth Sports. The whole reason he started it, he's a sports dad himself. He's the founder of Chesapeake Films. Is he, he found there was such chaos with parents and so much of this pressure. So these are the things we pay attention to, um, absolutely starting with good health and keeping these kids active. It's supposed to be fun, mom and dad, remember? <laughs> and <it's, laughs> right? Yes, and life isn't fair. As you, you know, it's, it's like teaching, you know, that you may lose a game and it may not be fair that you should have won or, you know, and teaching teamwork, um, which is vital. Oh, it absolutely is. And this is what these organizations really, really pay attention to. Life lessons for these kids as they grow up. Not everybody's going to be an Olympian or a, a scholarship athlete or uh, even making the team uh, once we get into high school and even junior high school. You know, elementary school, everybody participates. 
Everybody's on the team. Once we get to junior high school, it's like one out of 10. High school is even less. So keeping kids active, we tell parents all the time, hey, um, you know, uh, walk. You walk every day. You'll be a participant. Um, families who run together, you know, again, your show, you're talking about the tremendous value uh, health-wise, both physically and mentally, of jogging and running and the uh, ideas of um participation. Uh, we are in a real crisis with childhood obesity in the United States. It's no different where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, and, you know, the magic word is family fitness, finding an activity and doing it as a family, which is good for um, connection, bonding. It's good for your overall health. And it's also finding what you really are passionate about. You may not like football, but you may choose baseball because your child wants to play baseball instead or may want to be a runner or a marathoner. Yeah, sometimes, you know, again, it's a very, very popular topic sometimes with serious club sports. And we see when you're watching the Olympics on television and you see a 16, 17 year old already competing, they've been doing the sports since they're like five years old. And, and these, these this is a common uh, and it's serious business for these families. It's expensive. Uh, financially, it's tremendous commitments. And again, we start to see uh, overbearing uh, regarding whose goal is it. And, you know, speaking about Evan Lysacek behind me, uh, his mom, Tanya, uh, I on the radio, I asked her after he won the Olympics. And if you go to my website, you can still find it. You go back to 2010, sportsdoctorradio.com. I said, Tanya, how did you know it was his goal? It wasn't your goal, pushing, pushing, pushing as a parent. She said, you know, Dr. Bob, uh, Evan had ice time at 6.30 in the morning. I never had to wake the kid up. He was in the car with his gloves on, you know, ready to go. So this, I said, you know, uh, we couldn't come up with a better answer than that. And this is where communication makes so much sense. We would love children to play different sports. We want them to use different parts of the body. It's very, very important. We don't want overusing one area, but there's a chapter in my book. It's called The Prodigy Sports. Figure skating is one of them. So is gymnastics. So is tennis and soccer, where we might see a 10, 11-year-old who says, hey, mom, I don't think you heard me. I don't want to play other sports. All I want to do is skate or be in gymnastics, et cetera. And this is when we, again, have to pay attention uh, with what we call these repetitive motion injuries. Think about the kid who's swinging a tennis racket a thousand times a week uh, and how their shoulder and elbow is doing. So these are the things that parents need to be aware of, of the importance of activity. Does it have to be a competitive sport? There's a difference uh, in, 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 you know, uh, what what happens to be important, but keeping these kids active uh, is one of the best ways for their mental and physical development. And uh, it's great to see emphasis on that side of it, teamwork, family values, uh, camaraderie, all of these things that make so much sense. And competition is not one number one. Winning is put in proper perspective. And like you first mentioned when we started, it's a big topic on the sports doctor, both sides of that equation, the physical side of overuse injuries and all the abuse 
and the mental side, the pressure. You know, there's another chapter in my book. It's called Youth Sports and Drugs. Why are half these kids on over-the-counter medicine to participate? It's nuts. So we keep we keep stressing it. It's one of the reasons I uh, enjoy coming back on your show so that we can talk about some of these things and c- continue to repeat it. And as more and more people pay, you're paying attention, right? As a competitive runner, right, Christine? Yes, <laughs> learning a lot, Dr. Bob. And thank you very much for coming back on the show. And I look forward to having you back. I'm going to talk more about your magazine. Congratulations, your article that you were in on orthotics. So I look yes. forward to hearing more. People go to sportsdoctorradio.com. They can find out everything about everything. And uh, it's great to be with you. Continue success up there in British Columbia, Vancouver. And we'll catch you next time, Christine. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Bob Wild. Which came first, acting or diving? Ooh, well, I guess maybe the acting bug came first, but uh, was, you know, burrowed and sleeping for quite some time. And uh, I was 20 uh, years old and I went to a diving academy. So that came first. And, um, you know, years later, uh, the diving dug itself. I mean, the acting kind of found itself while I was uh, out working in Alaska, um, working on a vessel called the Nautilus swell. So, uh, because of that, uh, that's a long story, but I had to relocate to Victoria and, and sure enough, Victoria being such an artsy and college town, um, there on my days off from Alaska, I could, uh, I could go to these acting programs. Thanks for watching. If you have a question or comment about today's episode, go to our website, which is runwithit.ca. Until next time, run with it.